Ladies and gentlemen, I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity. We're still seeing it quite well through that haze. T-minus 37 seconds. Fight with growing equals MC. That all men are created About the future innovation. And growing strength in the air. This is Finding Your Frequency with your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another fantastic episode of Finding Your Frequency. My name is Ryan Treasure, and we continue along our path of talking to fantastic individuals that are out there in the world doing fantastic things. And today we're going to be talking to Peter Rosenberg. Peter is the host of Hope for the Caregiver, a syndicated radio program that's heard weekly on 200 stations. And for more than 30 years, he's cared for his wife, Gracie, who lives in severe disabilities. Peter is the author of books, including seven caregiver landmines and how you can avoid them and has been featured in USA Today, AARP Magazine, US News and World Report, interviewed on television by Steve Forbes, Pat Robertson and Maria Bartomoro. And I hope I said that correctly, but Peter, welcome to the show. <laughs> Maria Bartiromo. There we go. Uh, Bartiromo. Fox, she's, uh, Fox Business. And uh, it's, uh, it's great to be with you. And I love this conversation about finding your frequency because it really ties in uh, and, I'll, and as the show unfolds, I'll tell you exactly what that means to me. Uh, and the frequency is the right word. So thank you for having me. Yeah, we appreciate you taking in your time out. I know you're a busy guy. got a lot of stuff going on. So thanks for jumping in. Uh, and like I said before, I, I always I always love interviewing other radio guys, other podcasters, people that, you know, have an understanding of what we all do every single day of the week. Uh, I do probably four, five, and six interviews every single week. We release podcast episodes almost daily. Uh, and then, of course, I have my standard job here as the VP of operations for voiceamerica.com. And so, again, I just uh, thank you for your time. And I think this is going to be great. And just to kind of set the tone for the show, let's take that back. Let's go back to the beginning and talk about, you know, when, when was that moment where, you know, you said, you know, I'm going to be devoting the next 30 years of my life to caregiving, writing books and uh, educating people uh, about this process and about this need that uh, is extremely important. Well, I think that started about eight, nine years ago. And people kept telling me, said, look, you need to have a show. You need to have a show. I've done My wife and I have been interviewed over our entire marriage. We've been married for 33 years. She was hurt before I met her. So I, I've not known any other relationship with her other than taking care of her. She had both of her legs when we first got married, and she'd only had about 20 surgeries, but now she's up to um, over 80 and both legs amputated, and that's just been going on. So my whole adult life has been consumed with this. But about eight years ago, people said, you know what? You really need to have a show. You need to have uh, some kind of message out there because you've done this for so long for someone and there are people out there struggling. So I started thinking about this. You know, what what would I say to fellow caregivers? And then I started thinking about, okay, what do I say to myself? You know, what do I say to that young man who married a woman with a broken body? And how would I put my arm around that kid and say, hey, son, here's what's coming down the pike. You need to be prepared for it. And that's what evolved in my show, Hope for the Caregiver, my book, Hope for the Caregiver, uh, the podcast. Everything I do is Hope for the Caregiver, which is this conviction that we can live a calmer, healthier, and even more joyful life while dealing with very harsh realities. 
her situation has not changed. In fact, it's gotten harder. She's been, you know, 12 different hospitals, almost 100 doctors, well over $10 million. The surgeries just keep coming. Wow. But I've learned to deal with this in a diff- much different way over the years. And this is what I try to do with my fellow caregivers when they call to the show or when I see them when I'm out speaking and so forth. And I can't travel like a lot of speakers, but I do like to get out and speak. And I, I, I help point them to a path to safety, the same path that I take. And it's really interesting on the, like I said, the, the, the uh, find your frequency. I remember one time when I was, uh, my wife's a no kidding singer. I mean, a really, really good singer. Yeah, I was watching and, a couple of your videos on uh, on your website and you guys, you, you, guys, really you, you guys together are like just uber talented, man. <laughs> Well, thank you. And, and and I've been a pianist since I was five. She's been a singer since she was a little girl. Uh, both of us were music majors. I mean, she really can do it. And I accompanied her for years. I mean, on a lot of big stages. I mean, she's done some very, very high profile things. But she stopped singing about 10 years ago uh, for, for a season because her health just really plummeted. And during that time, my pastor asked me to play at church as people were coming into church to have a little bit more of a kind of a reverent atmosphere. He just wanted me to kind of help tone it down a little bit so it wouldn't sound like a barn in there. So I got up and I started playing hymns that I've been playing since I was a kid, but I'm so used to playing for her that I was playing around her melody. I was hearing her melody in my head. And so I was just playing the changes, as we say in Nashville. I was just playing the harmonies. And I realized I wasn't playing the melody any longer. And I had to go back and physically teach myself how to play the melody. And I thought, that's the lesson for caregivers. That's finding my frequency. That's finding my voice. That's finding my melody. And so this is the passion I have for my show is to help caregivers learn to sing and speak in their own voice. So many caregivers, they don't even know how to, to answer a question in first person singular. Ask a caregiver, you know, how are you doing? Well, we just got home from the hospital or she had a bad night or he's not doing real well. And I'm thinking, well, how are you doing? And that's when the tears and the stammering start. And so I, I help caregivers find their voice. So that's why I love the, the, your show here. I, I, I just love the whole thing of your frequency there. Yeah, and you hit, you hit on a, an, a very important topic. And it's, you know, caregiving for anybody, whether it's, you know, like what you do, caregiving for your wife or me as a father, caregiving for my family. One of the important components of, of caregiving is taking care of yourself, because if you don't care for yourself, you cannot provide proper care to the person who's uh, relying on you to to provide care. How do you how do you keep your mindset in check and and keep yourself on an even keel uh, so that way you can always be there for your wife? Well, I don't know that I'm an even keel. <laughs> I would tell you that I'm not. But but I I go back to this whole thing. I had to I had to learn to speak from my own voice. I had to learn to speak from Peter, not from Gracie. And, um, and that takes a lot of work. That's, that's, none of this is by accident. It is all deliberate. If you're going to do things uh, to take care of yourself and to, be, uh, to find your voice and all these things, it is work. It is intentional. And um, I, I started backing away from the craziness of it, trying to somehow just keep all the plates going. And I said, you know what? I have to go and do this. And so I started doing martial arts. I'm uh, in the process of training for my third degree black belt. What uh, what style of martial arts are you are you are you Hapkido. doing? Hapkido. Okay, awesome. Hapkido. It's a, it's a Korean art. It's yeah. self defense, and we're kind of the ugly cousin of um, of uh, Aikido. Yeah, which absolutely. Is, uh, Japanese. Yeah, I have a good uh, friend of mine who's a, a fifth or sixth degree black belt in several different modalities, and him and I have been uh, learning kempo together. 
Well, that's a younger man's thing. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm much older than you are, and I if the fight lasts for more than five seconds, I did it wrong. Well, that's how and, it is with any 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 martial arts. It's got to be done at about five seconds. And uh, but on, on the slower side, you're right. And and uh, uh, Kempo can be pretty pretty aggressive but um we always tone it down too we do t- tai chi a couple times a week too and kind of you know focus on some of those less stringent and 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 more fluid type of movements but yeah i i, I, well, we I, do I love joint that you locks, do that. um things such as that and we do nice. i mean uh, our thing is for a demonstration grab hold and uh, <laughs> you know and uh you've heard of shogun well i'm show enough and, <laughs> i and love it we um uh, and I love it. It's a great discipline for me. I do. We do a lot of aerials. I mean, I was just doing some flips the other night, and you know, I'm 55 years old. So when I land, it's and I'm a little slow to get up sometimes. But hey, I'm getting up from every fall, uh, every time I'm thrown and so forth. So that, but that's important for me to do this. It stretches me. It pushes me. It's a great mental discipline, and I've learned a lot about caregiving from martial arts. One of the things my uh, instructor tells us all all the time: fight what's closest. If you got an enemy 100 yards away and one five yards away, deal with the one that's five yards away. I mean, that sounds real basic, but how many times do we lose perspective when we're dealing with the craziness? And so as, when I'm dealing with a situation like my wife's, I mean, 80 surgeries. I mean, wrap your mind around 80 surgeries in 33 years of, you know. I, I, mean, I can't. I can't wrap my mind around that, to be honest with you. That it's, is just, you know. And, and so I have to learn to fight what's closest. What's the most pressing thing for me to deal with? And I'm going to have to let other things go until I deal with this one. Well, and I think that that idea that you speak about is is an idea that people can put into practice for everyday life, right? Setting those priorities for yourself uh, and and knocking out those priorities that are you know closest to you first and working through that. I know that's how I attack my day. I go, okay, well, what's the stuff that's most important that I need to knock out that are the, you know the most critical, which are the closest to me, uh, and then everything else kind of gets pushed to the side, so you can always focus on those things that are closest to you well and the other one of the other things we we discuss is don't muscle up we tend to and that's why a lot of times the people the best artists in our federation are not big people right big people tend to compensate with their strength and their size but if if you're a smaller person you're going to have to learn the technique the technique will work for you but what happens is i'm a pretty good sized guy i'm six feet tall and and over 200 pounds so I'm going to use my strength and my uh, my height and my size to force a technique sometimes. Well, when you're a caregiver, you can't do that. You can't force these things. You're going to have to relax into it, breathe into it, and let it be what it's going to be. Otherwise, you stay that kind of rigid for three decades, the stress will kill you. And And this is one of the things I'm trying to tell my fellow caregivers, breathe. Just breathe. Four seconds in, eight seconds out, just breathe. Because you can't maintain this level of angst for this long. It will kill you. And if you go down, what happens to your loved one? Yeah. Yeah. You got, you have to make sure that you're, you're there for them. That's a hundred percent. How are you getting to your speaking events? Uh, I know that you said earlier, you, you like to do as many speaking events as you can, but you obviously can't travel as much as the, the, the standard speaker is. Uh, but just looking at your, your website, hope of the and looking at your speaker section, you've done, um, some really cool keynote speeches and, and talk to some, uh, fairly well, large I, crowds. I, how, do, I have how do you keep that group going? On, well, I have a group on, uh, uh, standby that I can call they could stay with my wife while I'm gone or my sons and things such as that I try to fly in and out the same day if I can mm-hmm. uh, makes it a little harder on me but it makes it easier than me spending the night away uh, rarely rarely am I gone 
two nights. I had to once when I went to Alaska because there's just no way you could go up there and come back. Yeah, that's a far uh, trip. But rarely am I gone two nights. Um, and, uh, and and then a lot of times I'll do stuff that's just like a day drive. I mean, I'm in Nashville, so we could pretty much be anywhere we need to be pretty quick. Um, so, you know, I do that, and then I do a lot of a lot of interviews and Skype stuff. And, I, in fact, I was addressing a, a support group by Skype the other day, and that kind of worked out real well. And, and you know, I, I, I work around it. And then that's why I do the show, because the show gives me a chance to be so so much out there and so much more effectively out there. And so that works out. So I, I kind of just have to, you know, adapt, just like we do with everything as caregivers. We just kind of have to adapt. You know, there's guys out there that are go 200 dates out of the year. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's just no way I can do that. Yeah, we have a whole channel on Voice America uh, called Influencers. And, you know, 80% of the people that do shows on the Influencers channel are, you know, your your typical speakers. And, I mean, some of these guys are on the road for 300 days a year, you know, all over the place. Um, you know, Les Brown and some of those guys and Bill Walsh who does a show with us. Those guys just constantly travel. I can never get them nailed down. So I could never imagine trying to, you know, be a speaker, travel around, and then, you know, know that that you have that caregiving responsibility at home that definitely makes it tough. But technology, like you mentioned, probably helps, you know, a lot. You can do a live webinar. You could do a Facebook live stream uh, to still kind of get your message out to the masses without leaving home, right? Well, and I and I do this out of my home, and I, you know, I was just before I was doing this with you, I was cleaning the kitchen and making sure she's getting taken care of. I'm going to be cooking dinner here in just a little bit, doing laundry. I can bring home the bacon fried up in a pan and never let you forget I'm a man kind of thing. I mean, this is what I do, and and I've learned to make it work. I've done interviews before uh, with major media outlets while I was cooking a roast or you know whatever, and and I usually don't make apologies if you hear stuff in the background because I'm a caregiver. That's what I do and and it's okay and uh but but the but the martial arts is my time for me my music uh you know sometimes i'll just go and zone out at the piano and then when i do the show that's my time also to talk with uh fellow caregivers and bang ideas around with you and and so many others to say okay let's let's have this connection because isolation will cripple a caregiver it truly will it is one of the most crippling things. Uh, I wrote a book called Seven Caregiver Landmines and how you can avoid them. It's one of the biggest landmines is isolation. And we can feel isolated in a crowded room. And so I force myself to engage with other people. And yeah, I have to use technology to do it. Okay, no big deal. Why are you the self-proclaimed crash test dummy of caregivers? <laughs> well, because I have made every, I have forgotten more mistakes than most people are going to make. And I, I think this is one of the things I want caregivers to understand right off the bat, because I know a lot of your listeners are dealing with this. They may not have identified as such. That's why Jeff Foxworth and I did a whole bit on you might be a caregiver if, just because people don't even know that they're, I mean, like, if if you've ever uh, used Neosporin as a verb, you know, <laughs> you're probably a caregiver. Or if you've ever hooked up your dog to your wife's wheelchair, which I've done that, and uh, I have footage. And if a hospital bed has never hampered your love life, you know, <laughs> no use wasting a semi-private room. And so we um, we don't want to um, we we don't want to look at ourselves fairly. We kind of judge ourselves without mercy, and we think about all the mistakes we've made. And so what I tell caregivers is, look, number one, I've made more mistakes than you have. Number two, if you're going to judge yourself that harshly, you know, then judge yourself fairly and look at your attendance record, not just your performance record, because your attendance record is flawless. You keep showing up. And I don't care if you show up and you're swearing under your breath like Yosemite Sam, you know, you're still showing up and that counts for something. 
Yeah, I mean, when I was growing up, my mom and dad used to tell me all the time that, you know, 80% of success is just being there on time and ready to go. It, it, yes, it is. And and that is, uh, that's something I'm real passionate about with caregivers is letting them know, look, I did an article about the entrepreneurial opportunities for caregivers. And I said, if you just looked at yourself as an employer would look at you, mm-hmm. you show up on time, you adapt, you're flexible as far as what comes at you through the day, you deal with conflict resolution, you deal with professionals from all different walks of life, and you're having to negotiate with all these things, and you're doing things that you weren't even necessarily trained for. I mean, I've performed complex medical things now that 20 years ago, 15 years ago, were only available for you know trained medical personnel to do. I've changed, a, my wife came home with a, a main line in her heart and I would have to gown up and change an antibiotic thing in that uh, every other day. Yeah, I mean, it was crazy. And I'm thinking, they didn't teach me that in music school. No. And uh, I, when I go to uh, the hospital sometimes, I've, I've done this before <laughs> when I've checked her in. And, I, and I, if I'm in a suit, it really drives the point home and I'll rattle off a bunch of stuff. I mean, my last name's Rosenberger. So I get called Dr. Rosenberger many times. And one lady, one nurse asked me, said, are you a doctor? And I said, yes, ma'am. I'm a cranial proctologist. <laughs> and, and she kind of looked at me funny trying to think, okay, how do those two fit? You know, <laughs> but then she just moved on. But, you know, I, we, we do all kinds of crazy things yeah. as caregivers. And, and so I, I look at that. What is that worth to the marketplace to have a, an employee like that? And then I tell fellow caregivers, okay, how about being your own boss? How about building your own corporate ladder, using tech to do things now from home that you could never do when I started off doing this back in the 80s? Yeah, and I want to talk a little bit about that, too, because you 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 talk about the entrepreneurial uh, spirit, the entrepreneurial caregiver. Uh, there's so many things out there. Uh, we used to do a radio show with a, a, a company that does residential assisted living academy and their workshops for caregivers. So that way caregivers who are providing care can um, still continue to do their caregiving uh, uh, duties, but also invest in real estate and the real estate that they invest in are residential assisted living uh, homes that are staffed by caregivers. So you end up with um, some opportunities as an entrepreneur to like, go and you know purchase a residential property that um, you're providing care and you get to be your caregiver you can select your staff and um, you know then you have this residential property and then you're still doing caregiving so you're able to like you said kind of climb your own corporate ladder still providing the care but you know dabbling in a little bit of real estate doing a little speaking like you do leveraging the technology so I think that there's a lot of opportunities out there for caregivers to kind of be their own boss their own entrepreneur and 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 make some strides to uh, to, to better themselves well uh, let's even go simpler because a lot of people think they, they get overwhelmed by that kind of thing I knew of a lady that was a knitter and she would knit little lace doilies while she was taking care of her mother well all of a sudden she people started wanting one of these things so she would make more she would make more then you all of a sudden she put them at a little local bookstore and she started selling them and pretty soon she's got a, a, a product a widget if you will and she's selling it and she's doing it while she's caregiving. And I thought that's that's the way to do it. Or maybe you don't want to be an entrepreneur, but you but working at home. Mm-hmm. I did a whole thing with um, Senator Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee, who's on the telecommunications thing in, uh, in Congress. And we're talking about broadband in rural areas. Because of that now, you can telecommute a lot easier. Yeah. Why do we need to go down to brick and mortar buildings for so many jobs? 
I mean, we got we have radio show hosts that do their you know couple hours a week live radio show from the most obscurely remote rural destinations uh, over Skype and using Zoom and leveraging that technology. And a lot of those guys wouldn't be able to do that if their bandwidth wasn't and you know at an optimal enough level to 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 have good sound quality. And it's just amazing uh, all of the different uh, things that one can do leveraging technology. I was we spent three months in Montana. At the end of the year, in the first two months of this year in Montana, uh, my wife's family has a place out there they've had for many, many years. Nobody goes out in the winter because it's Montana in the winter and it's kind of <laughs> cold. Uh, we like it there. We have satellite uh, with all of our internet service, and I upped it up to as high as we could get as a consumer. And I did my show out there live every week, twice a week, on all these stations. And I did it with, uh, and we're 10 miles from the paved road. Right. Yeah. You had to put it in four wheel drive to get to the house two miles out. And and so nobody could do that kind of stuff 10 years ago. And so that's that's some of the things I want caregivers to understand is that you can work from home and employers need to take advantage of these really, really good workers who are beset with these difficult challenges. You don't want to lose the workers and workers are leaving the workforce. They're turning down promotions and they're leaving the workforce because they can't afford to juggle both. But if you were able to do some kind of mechanism where they could work from home more, yeah, there's you, you always need to verify you know that kind of stuff. There's always that kind of stuff, checks and balances. But you would find it would be an amazing advantage for employers. My, I work from home. I, I, I work out of my, my office is in my home. I, my problem is not getting up and going to work. My, my problem is turning it off because <laughs> I work all the time. Yep. Because work is right there at my fingertips. And, and I get more done, you know, from 6 a.m. in the morning till 9 a.m. in the morning than most people get done all day. That's that's my that's my email time before I even leave to come to the studio here uh, is, is exactly that. I could knock out all, almost my entire day of emails just before I even leave because uh, I, I have a home office as well. I do. I do have to come to the studio because I have responsibilities here. But I telecommute from time to time and work from home as well. And. You're absolutely right. The number of things that I can get done when working from home compared to, you know, when I'm here at the studio, uh, it's it's insane because when I'm here at the studio, there's, you know, 20 other human beings that are here that somebody wants to talk to me. They have questions. They want to go eat lunch. They want to go do all these things. And, you know, that takes me away from focusing on my work, which I don't have those distractions when I'm at home. And man, can you bang out some work? <laughs> it, it, somebody ought to do some research on that to show a some graph of how many yeah. distractions go on at the, at the brick and mortar work site versus <laughs> something like this and then you got telemedicine let me ask you something if you th- just consider the con the, the the challenges of trying to take somebody with mobility impairments to the doctor when you have uh you know uh, b- both legs are amputated and or you're dealing with a wheelchair like i am and so forth with my wife and and it's just and they don't feel good anyway and you got to go sit there in line versus doing an app on your phone and the doctor can look at your throat now you, yep. do, you there's certain doctors you don't want to do that with let me just be honest with you, okay? <laughs> you know, your, your, your greater proctology uh, discipline, you want to kind of go ahead and just go in person on that one, all right? But for most things, you can go, if it's a minor thing, you know, ear, nose, and throat kind of stuff or whatever, sinus or whatever. Mm-hmm. Those are wonderful tools. And if you've got a, a, an elderly mother, for example, who has a sinus infection, getting her out is not going to be helpful to you. you got to take off work, go get her and so forth. What if you could just do that on your phone with an app? Yeah, you know, a quick story for you. My grandmother uh, lives with my mother, 
my mother is her caregiver. She's 94 years old. And that's exactly the, the scenario where my mom was having a little trouble because my mom still works and she runs her beauty salon business. And, you know, she doesn't work every day. She, you know, three or four days a week or something like that. But uh, it, it was a challenge to get grandma up out of her chair, out of the bed, whatever it may be, and, and get her into the vehicle. You know, she's got a walker and all that kind of stuff. So you got to load all that up. And it was difficult. And uh, I, I had told my mom about these uh, tele telemedicine services uh, based off of some interviews I did last year with a company who's really making some strides in that area. Uh, and man, has it saved uh, a lot of stress, a lot of time uh, for them to be able to do those telemedicine ones. And then I did an interview uh, last month with this guy and he just took the telemedicine thing to a whole new level. Uh, he's a dermatologist. And so he decided he wanted to be able to diagnose skin conditions much easier. So he built an entire application that runs off of artificial intelligence that you can take a picture of your skin, uh, whatever your ailment is, upload it through the application. The AI diagnoses it in about 10 seconds. That, that's just insane. I mean, I love this. And and this is the way it's going. And and then we've got security and safety. Yeah. 92% of uh, people surveyed in this country want to age in their own home. Well, now, how's that going to happen? I mean, you think about that because the, the, you, somebody's got to go be looking after these people. But if you could set up monitoring devices that don't necessarily have to show the video, they, they're stick figure re, uh, rendering so that you give privacy in case somebody falls out of the shower or something like that. There's all kinds of things that they've gone from the whole I've fallen, I can't get up, which was the first, you know, well, life alert. Like <laughs> I remember yeah, those. But now it's it's gone to a whole different cottage industry of this sort of thing so that I could check on folks right here or I can check and make sure mom didn't leave the stove on or I can check and make sure that mom didn't leave the water running that kind of thing and this is what I'm I'm hoping to 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 show caregivers suffer from three eyes we lose our identity we become which we talked about they can't speak in first person singular then we become isolated which we talked about but then they lose their independence and if you could offload some of that loss onto tech then you're really doing something and 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 use tech it won't replace a human being but you can offload some of it even if you do 30 percent of it by video monitoring a video doorbell you know yeah, it's that like, kind of thing it's it's like a bionic limb right it's not necessarily you know using technology to create self-driving cars but using technology to create a bionic limb for me so it's not automated but it's it's leveraging the technology to make to allow me to be a better human and to be a more effective human leveraging the it's technology a, it, it what we call it it's adaptive equipment yep adaptive my equipment. wife has two prosthetic legs they are not hers. They are not what God built. Those are. There's no way we could replace what God built. You know, we just can't do it. His design but, was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he. It's as Archie Bunker said. He don't make mistakes. That's how he got to be God. And uh, but <laughs> I love Archie Bunker. Jeez, he just we just stifled there. Yeah? Um, but it's um. It's, but 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 the, that adaptive equipment does help her function. Yeah. Better. And this is what I'm asking for caregivers to look at. Everything needs to be on the table. When you have a child with autism, for example, one of the biggest issues with children with autism is elopement. They will get up in the middle of the night and just wander off. How does a mother or a father sleep knowing that this child could run off? And 90% of the deaths of autistic children happen near bodies of, in, in bodies of water, pools, lakes, ponds, whatever, because the kids runs off and, and they, this is what happens. So if you've got some kind of tech that can monitor that kid. Oh, yeah. 
make sure the bedroom door, if the bedroom door opens, there's a beep or whatever. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, parents can get a good night's sleep. So that's the kind of thing that I constantly push out there for folks. My daughter has a uh, a watch that she wears. It's a, uh, it's a GPS watch. Uh, she can only make three phone calls to her grandmother, myself, or her mom. Like They're pre-programmed. It's not a phone. It's a watch. Um, it, it's also connected to GPS. So at any time... I can go get on my phone and I can go, oh, look, I know right where my daughter is. And then I took that a step further and I geofenced our house. Um, and so geofencing is basically a digital perimeter yeah. right around my house. Uh, and so I have this set up that uh, when my daughter's home, it, 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 it's, uh, it's time sensitive, right? So we know we get home from school at whatever time. And so the geofence kicks in at that time. My daughter's five. Uh, she likes to just run outside and go play in the field without telling anybody where she's going. Um, and so that's not okay with mom and dad. We want to know where you're at at all times. So I decided, all right, well, I'll give her the appearance of freedom <laughs> uh, and geofence geofence the house and so now if she gets you know one foot past where the geofence is my phone starts going crazy and so I know exactly where she is at all times and I think you know geofencing technology as it starts to get better could be very helpful for the caregivers and uh, well, think about dementia patients yeah even even geo you could geofence just a room too you know what I mean if you if you wanted to just do a room in your home as well it's super cool well that's that and certainly uh, when you have dementia uh, in any of its forms, whether it's Alzheimer's or anything else that, that causes dementia, you're dealing with a, a variety of challenges for family members who, I mean, you see it in the news all the time, somebody ran off, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, these are things that we can do to, to help caregivers. And then, then one of the biggest issues we deal with, too, is helping caregivers push back against the dark thoughts that come along. And there are some, right? It's, it's really tragic. And and uh, my mind is a dangerous place to go into unaccompanied. I mean, you know, I got to have somebody helping me. And, and I tell this to fellow caregivers, do not try to – friends don't let friends caregive alone, you know, because really bad things. And, and, and one of those things that just happened last week was this thing up there, the Minnesota Vikings owner. Yeah. He was a minority owner of the Minnesota Vikings. Been married 60 years. His wife has dementia. She's in a wheelchair and in terrible health. And evidently, it just overtook him, and he decided to go ahead and end her life and then turn the gun on himself. And this is happening about once, I mean, about 20 times a week, according to a psychiatrist out of South Florida. It's happening um, uh, 10 times more in Florida than it did 30 years ago. And and wow. it's that's the level of desperation that's, that's that people staggering. are getting to. Staggering data, staggering. I mean, and, and it's not just elderly. I mean, last August, uh, a girl up in uh, – girl, she's 28 years old, killed her seven-year-old disabled son, shot him and killed him, and then turned the gun on herself, but she was unsuccessful at taking her own life. Last year in Tennessee, a guy beat his child with autism to death, nonverbal five-year-old, and then told the community he'd run off, and then uh, everybody's out looking for a kid, and finally it came out that he had killed his own son. And these people – and it, people just snap. And so one of the things I try to do with my show and everything I do is just to offer a place of safety to folks. What does it look like? I speak fluent caregiver. What does it look like? And I had a lady call into my show one time whose mother is 93 years old. She's taking care of her mother. And she said, my mother's just mean. And I can't make her happy. I've been sober for six years, and she makes me want to start drinking again. And, and I don't know how to make her happy. And I said, your job is not to make her happy. Your job is to call your sponsor and get to a meeting. Because if you lose your sobriety, your mother's got a drunk caregiver. 
she's going to be really upset then. And you know what? She can get happy in the same shoes she gets mad in. Yep. Your, her happiness cannot be the goal. Your sobriety has to be. So it's all I'm doing is just redirecting her what the priority is. And 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 caregivers need to hear that from fellow caregivers that, that understand the journey. And, and, uh, and I love doing this. I truly love doing this. It, it is not work. When the microphone is hot, even though I'm slaving behind a hot mic- microphone, it's, I, I absolutely love doing it because I, I, nobody did this for me through all these years. And, and I, I just, I, I really want to reach out to that 22 year old kid who fell in love with a woman with a broken body. And, you know, these are things that I wish somebody had done for me. Well, and you can, you can tell just by the way you deliver your message and your information, how passionate you are about caregiving and, and educating the community on caregiving and, I just want to say thank you for the service that you're providing to everybody. I learned so much today just by having this conversation with you about how important, uh, you know, the the caregiving is. And when you say hey, nobody lets uh, nobody friends don't let friends uh, caregive alone, um, all I can think about is like you know my mom and she's dealing with my grandmother all the time and. You know, I probably need to, I probably need to find out how mom is doing. Uh, ask her how she's doing. <laughs> yeah. And ask her when's the last time she saw her own doctor. Yeah. And make sure that she's doing that. And, and then I had a lady call the other day who, who was just crying and she said, I know what's coming down the road and, and it just overwhelms me. I said, well, whoa, 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 whoa. When, when's the last time you went to your doctor? She said, well, a couple months ago. And I said, okay, what were the results? She said, well, my blood pressure's good. Cholesterol is coming down. It's it's not bad, but it needs to come down more. And I've lost 20 pounds. And her husband has rheumatoid arthritis in pretty bad shape. And I said, okay, let, let's, let's deal with this. You can't fight rheumatoid arthritis, but you can fight cholesterol. So we're going to fight that. Don't deal in the, don't live in the wreckage of your future. Yeah. We all know that, that what's coming down the pike is probably not going to be the fairy tale ending. We all want. However, we're not there yet. We're here. So let's fight what's closest. Again, deal with the cholesterol, deal with the weight loss, deal with these things, and don't try to. I, I my wife's an amputee. I can't fight amputation. I mean, I can't do it. So I, I I deal with what I need to do right here, and and that's all it is. So with your mother, just you know, hey mom, been to the doctor lately? How's your blood work? Yeah. Are you going twice a year? You know, are you eating healthy? I'm doing a whole thing called caregivermeals.com. You can go out to it's on my website. And if you got a good recipe as a caregiver, or if you're not a caregiver, but it's an easy recipe, submit it, put a picture of, of you and your loved one, tell the story behind the recipe, because I'm sharing this with other caregivers because a lot of people don't even know how to cook. They're in this situation now and they don't know how to cook a meal, a heart healthy meal. Oh, let me throw this out here. My, this is actually something my mom and I and my wife uh, figured out with the crock pot and talking about easy food. I just had this the other night. Um, Pork ribs, crock pot. Well, that's not exactly baby good for you. Cholesterol. Cholesterol. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, if you don't have a cholesterol problem, but you can make barbecue in any other way. It works with anything. I've done it with beef. I've done it with pork. I've done it with turkey. I've done all kinds of stuff. But yeah, it works great. Crock pot and barbecue sauce. Eight hours and I do it all food. the time. <laughs> uh, but but not with pork. I really have tried to watch that. But I, I tell people the be- best tech I use is a crock pot and a Bluetooth. You know because. <laughs> Uh, but that's that's how we do it, and we, yeah. we it's the simple things. Check on, make sure her water heater's okay. Yep, I know that one's good because I just replaced it for her last year. The hot, there you the go. hot water heater, and and make sure that the the car and uh, is running fine. The tires are rotated and balanced, and 
and um, uh, things such as that. A lot of people just don't realize how important those things are. Sorry, my hairy alarm system is going off in the background, <laughs> and I, I, there's nothing I can do about it. My wife, I hear my wife yelling for him, but hey, that's okay. Yeah. I think it just adds another layer of complexity to the show. I mean, here we are, you know, you're at home caregiving and your dog's barking. I don't care about that. That's no big deal. We can uh, definitely uh, say hi to the dog. What's the dog's, well, he's a what, great what's dog. The dog's name? Mac. All right. Well, tell, um, tell Mac I said ho- hello because uh, the Treasure family, we, we love our animals. We have a couple of fur babies ourselves, and uh, I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't live without one. <laughs> well, he's, our ser- he's her service animal, yeah. and he takes good care of her, and uh, he is um, an Australian shepherd, and he's just gorgeous. Oh, that's and, fantastic. Uh, I, have an, I have a healer. Uh, Oh, they are they great dogs? Um, yeah, for the most part, if I can make sure to spend enough time with her because she's extremely high energy. Well, he used to be, but he's getting old. <laughs> yeah, my, mine's young. She just she's not even two yet. So we we uh, I had a oh. I had a I had a Datsun, <laughs> and my Datsun passed away uh, a couple of years ago, and I went about two months without an animal, and I finally told my wife, I said, "Honey, I got to get another dog." She goes, "All right, well, what kind of dog do you want to get?" And I was like. I want another wiener dog, but I don't want another wiener dog. And how I ended up with the <laughs> Queensland healer, I don't know. Well, they're smart she's dogs. Fun. She's and, fun. And uh, they're great dogs for her. But it's 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 not – go back to this other – it's not the complex thing. So, and, and by the way, if you ever want to help a caregiver, not just you, but all your listeners, never ask a caregiver, let me know if there's something I do to help you. Never say that to a caregiver because now i got to think of something for you to do. And then hope you'll do it. And then hope you'll do it right. You know, and and that's not the way to do it. The way you do it is, hey, um, I'm at the grocery store. You need some milk? Hey, is somebody cleaning your gutters? I know a guy, and I'll send him over. I'll take care of that. Right. You know, because it's not a good idea for caregivers to be on the, on the roof. And uh, a lady worked up the nerve to ask somebody at her church, hey, uh, uh, that she, because her car broke down. She was taking care of uh, her husband about five years with a brain issue. And her car broke down, and, and she was really struggling. She finally worked up the nerve to ask for help. And the uh, the lady she talked to at church said, oh, I'm going to bring you a meal, and we're going to pray for you. Well, she looked at her. She said, I appreciate the meal, and I appreciate the prayers, but I really need a mechanic. <laughs> and, and I think that's what we got to do is we got to see the real need. We keep our thoughts and prayers. I wrote a whole article about thoughts and prayers. I'm kind of tired of that phrase. Your thoughts and prayers are between you and God. Let your actions reflect things. And, 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 and also, we got you, you, meals are great, and I love it when somebody brings me a meal, but eventually somebody's got to learn how to cook. And we don't want to be just tuna noodle helpers here. You know, I mean, we're, I'm in the South. Wherever two or three are gathered, there's macaroni and cheese. I mean, we got that. <laughs> and, and, you know, but, but you, you, you want to teach people how to cook. You want to make sure the pantry's stocked and that kind of thing. But you don't want to just um, create a whole level of dependency, you know, and, and I also, also, we just finished tax time. So the other thing I tell is, you know, does, does this single mom of a special needs child have a good CPA? Are they, are they doing okay on their taxes? Cause that can be overwhelming to do that. So, you know, recommend a good CPA who will probably take them at a reduced rate. And there's pl- probably plenty of people in the church who do that. And we'd be, we'd be more than happy to help. That's a way you could practically help somebody uh, to make sure there's a good financial um, infrastructure in place to support because unfortunately there are a lot of single moms out there with special needs child with with, with children yeah, and so these are good it's little things like that these are good tips that you're giving out too and I, and I, I like I like what you said about letting your actions lead and 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 you know kind of 
lessening the thoughts and prayers methodology. I, I, I love that. My wife and I try so hard to, you know, I, I don't need to think about anybody. I need to go do something for them if they're in, in a time of need. And uh, it does it does make it hard, you know, when, when you don't know exactly what they need. And so you do say, hey, you know, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about you. Is there anything you need me to do? Want me to come over and mow your lawn? You know, uh, you know, anything like that that can help out because, yeah, those those chores, those day to day, those things, they they stack up when your priority is caregiving. Well, one of the things I tell people is don't send a check, send a service. And, um, you know, as far as a gift or things like that, uh, Father's Day is coming up. So if you got a caregiving dad who uh, who's doing this, you know, don't send him another shirt and tie. You know, send him a service. Uh, send him a lawn care service or things such as that. Uh, don't say, And people say, well, oh, wouldn't you like to go to a spa? No, I don't want to go to a spa. No, and, and, and that's like me going on a cruise. Why in the world would I want to go on a cruise and be on a boat with 2,000 needy people? You know, I, I don't want to do that. That's not how you help a caregiver. And don't, don't come up with what you think would be fun for you. Caregivers need to have very, very specific help, and they need to be trained to use free time better. And we don't always know what to do on that. We don't know what to do with free time. You can give a caregiver a bag of cash. And they're not going to know what to do with it sometimes because their head's so squirrely. So that's why I go back to the very, very, very basics. When's the last time you saw your doctor? What type of support group are you in? You know, when's the last time you exercise? Do you go for a walk around the block? You know, that kind of stuff. How much water are you drinking? You know, how much, how much sweet tea are you drinking here in the South versus or sodas or whatever? Let's back off on this. Let's take a tangible step. And, you know, and then the thoughts and prayers, please pray for us. Yeah, pray, pray often. But it's like me going to the post office, carrying a bunch of boxes, and somebody looks at me and says, brother, you look to be burdened down. I'm going to pray for you. Well, hold the door while you do it. You know, <laughs> I mean, honestly, you know, I appreciate the prayers, but gosh, you know, what are you going to pray? You going to pray that Gracie's legs grow back? I mean, come on. What do you, what do you want me to do with that information? Pray quietly. That's between you and God. But let your hands open up and offer something. And if you don't know what to say, and you don't have to do something for me. Sometimes it's just noticing a caregiver. And here's a vocabulary. For those of you who want to, you know of a caregiver right now, you don't know what to say to them. Here's what you say. You quietly look them in the eye and you say, you know what? I see you. I see you. And I see the magnitude of what you carry. And I hurt for you. I don't know what I can do, but I'm not going to let you do this alone. Start with that. Now, it may get emotional for both of you, yeah. and that's okay because now you're having a real conversation on a heart level, and that's where it started. And then follow through with it. Keep seeing them. Talk to them. You don't have to carry them. You don't have to get into all their business, but they just want to be seen sometimes. Peter, such great advice that you're giving out for the caregiving community. And uh, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure you go check out uh, Peter's website, uh, hopeforthecaregiver.com. Go check out his radio show. Uh, it's got all kinds of cool stuff out there. A radio show for caregivers, books, uh, listen to the music. Peter, thank you again. Man, this is such a treat. Thank you, and, and thank you for recognizing this need, and, and I, I look forward to more conversations with you. You guys behave yourselves out there.
Uh, we appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to Finding Your Frequency in this special episode with Peter Rosenberger. Peter, again, thank you for joining us. And guys, if you're listening to uh, this on voiceamerica.com, we appreciate you uh, sending traffic to the website. Uh, if you're listening to this elsewhere, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast on all of the major podcast networks out there and give us five stars because five stars are better than four. And thank you guys so much. More fantastic content coming to you soon right here on voiceamerica.com, the leader in live internet talk radio.